Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good morning, everyone. It is Monday, August the 22nd, 2022. It is currently 1144 a.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central Studios located right here in Abilene, Texas. So did you have a great weekend? How was your weekend? How was church on Sunday? Did you have a great Lord's Day? Was the sermon awesome? Was the Sunday school amazing? What did you learn? What, was, it, was everything wonderful? Was everything great? How was your Monday going? I mean, did you start off with a great Monday? You woke up, everything's wonderful. The kids are great. Uh, everything, just everything is going. How, how are things going for you today? Now, if I was to describe my Monday morning right now, if I was to describe it, now what you need to do, you need to turn the volume down right here. If I was to describe my Monday morning, I would simply do this. Why? Okay, I'm sorry if I blew your eardrums out, but why? 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 What in the world is going on? I wake up this morning. I... I open my email, and as soon as I see this email, I just start screaming, why, why? And then I, 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 I walk into the kitchen, and there's, there's, a, there's a note waiting for me that I need to call my sister. And I call my sister, and she starts telling me something that happened at church on Sunday, and all I can do is go, why, why, what is happening? So my Monday is off to a very frustrating start. And well, you are going to either reap the benefits of that or you're going to suffer the consequences of that. It all depends on your perspective this morning. Maybe you will be glad that I'm speaking out about these issues. Maybe you'll be glad that I am taking the position I will be on these positions. Now, in this episode, we're not going to we're not going to talk about the phone call that I had with my sister. We're going to talk about the email that I received. This email came in at 5:32 a.m. this morning. 5:32 a.m. this morning. And all I can say is what in the world is going on? Why? Why? I I just I don't understand. I am I, 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 just, I have no understanding about what is going on. So I'm going to do my very best to try to explain this, to try to describe this. And uh, I, I, I hope, I hope I can get my point across. I guess my fear is, well, you know what? I, I'm not even worried about it. If you, I, I, I will be pretty dogmatic on this. If you disagree with me on this, that's perfectly okay. But we're just going to have to disagree, okay? Because I'm not going to change my view on this. I have very, 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 very strong feelings about this. Because not only have I been victimized by it, I, I personally think it has contributed to a lot of the confusion in our society today. And I know many will disagree with me, but I'm just, I'm sorry. I think, I think it many, I think, I think many Christians and I think many men have done great damage in a particular area. So we've got the email, we got the phone call. We're just going to deal with the email. Are you ready? And remember my feelings about this, just why? I, I just write, I just want to start screaming because how of how frustrated this makes me. You may not understand my frustration. I will do everything in my power to convey to you why this bothers me so much. Why this makes me extremely angry and 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 I know I know some of you are going to disagree but just just hear me out. So here's how it started. I received the email. And the title of the email, the subject line, beards and biblically and biblical masculinity. Beards and biblical masculinity. And I'm like beards and biblical masculinity. Okay, that's that's an interesting thing to get an email about at 5.32 a.m. I didn't really give it much. I just, beards and biblical masculinity. Okay, I'm like, all right, um, where's that going to go? Now, I, now, I'm always a little hesitant when I hear biblical masculinity. 
right? I'm always, that phrase always at least makes me step back because I'm like, wait a minute, does the Bible describe what biblical masculinity is? Because I've heard pastors and many Christian men talk about, we need a return to good old-fashioned biblical masculinity. And then when they start describing what supposedly biblical masculinity is, I'm kind of looking going, um, I don't, I think that that's your version of masculinity that you're imposing upon the text because I don't think the text really outlines masculinity the way you are. I think you're imposing it on the text. So if I was to ask you, if if you were to take a piece of paper and write out, how does the Bible describe masculinity? What are the attributes? What are the characteristics of masculinity according to scripture? It would be interesting to see not only what scriptures people would include, but if they were even coming close to try, trying to handle those scriptures in a correct way. So, so I, I'm not a big fan of that phrase, biblical masculinity, biblical masculinity. And it's like, I, I don't know. I, 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 okay, but all right. So then the email, the email begins, greetings. Here we go. What is perhaps the strangest argument used to promote biblical masculinity that you have heard of? Where have you seen people make the case that the case that if you don't do or have X, you are not masculine according to scripture? Now I will, I'm going to take us back to my teenage years, my childhood here in West Texas. All right. And, and I, and, and this not, this does not necessarily have to do with biblical masculinity, but some of these concepts have shown up in the church and they have adopted them somehow as being a part of biblical masculinity. I get real, I'm just going to tell you, I get really sick and tired of people saying, if you don't do A, B, C, D, you're not being a man. You're not showing masculinity. And I'm like, who, who are you to say that? It's just, it's so ridiculous how many men act, but I've, I've seen things like this. Okay. So I grew up, I grew up in West Texas. If I didn't like guns, if I didn't like going out at four or five in the morning to, so that I could kill an animal. I wasn't masculine. If I didn't wear Wranglers and cowboy boots, I wasn't being a man. I wasn't being a man. Yeah, I'm now I'm kind of mocking it, but but it, it, this is how utterly ridiculous it is. Because now I was wearing penny loafers. I wasn't wearing cowboy boots, right? I, I I didn't want a gun. I didn't like guns. I had I I went hunting one time, shot one bird, and then the next thing you know, I'm burying the bird, and I I'm, I'm basically in tears, going, okay, never mind, give this up. I'm not doing this anymore. This is ridiculous. What are we doing? Okay, and I know people are like you're not a man. You're I, I I've, I've heard it my whole life, right? Now, I played sports, and I was very, very, very good, and played them at a high level, so I played sports, so that, that was one of the things you're supposed to do as you know, being, being a man. However, in high school, on, on my fr- freshman year, my first day, I walked into a class called like ag or agriculture, or I don't even know what it was, and it was going to be about cows, and I don't even know, and I, was, and I raised my hand, and I'm like, I don't want to be in this class. And they said, well, the only other option is home ec with the girls. And I'm like, well, then I'm going to home ec with the girls. And they're like, nobody has ever done that in this school. And I'm like, well, I'm going to be the first. So I marched myself over to home ec. And when the teacher walked in, she looked around and she's like, I think you're in the wrong class. And I looked around going, all girls, me. I think I'm in the right class. I'm in there. But no, I wasn't supposed to take home ec because that's, that's for the women folk. The men folk are got to be learning about cows and, and I don't even know what you do in agriculture. And I'm like, I have no interest, desire. I don't care. I have no, none of that. I don't want anything to do it, but I'm not masculine. While other people were out doing, I don't know, whatever. Well, I say, I like to do things like, I don't know, read. I liked music. I, I, I liked art. Oh, and oh, guess what? If I had an opportunity to choose anything, 
football, anything, or dancing, I was going to choose the dancing. But see, now I'm not a guy. So guess what? I got called continually throughout most of my high school life. I was referred to in very derogatory terms as being, well, let's just say a homosexual. Now, I I want you to understand what this creates. This begins to create in the minds of some very impressionable young people or who are confused. Well, wait a minute. Maybe they're right. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm not heterosexual. Maybe I am homosexual. Maybe, maybe I am too, quote unquote, feminine. Maybe I'm too, I'm not masculine enough. Maybe. And it's like, no, no, no. Don't let people mess with your gender identity because you don't follow their self-imposed gender stereotypes upon you. I've watched it before. My daughters were in dance, like over, I mean, over and over. I mean, basically most of the years of their life, they were in dance. They were in a choir. They were in all kinds of different activities. And time and time again, there would be some young boy who would maybe show up to dance class or show up to music theater or whatever the case may be. And guess what? Either halfway through the year, somewhere, the boy is pulled from the class. And why? Well, my dad doesn't want me doing dance. He says it's too girly. And I just, every time I would hear that, would be like, whoa, boy, how dare that man do that? How dare he does that? He's telling his young boy he's not being a man because he likes something that doesn't meet this man's twisted idea of what masculinity is. I, I can't stand that. Now, for me, I was like, call me whatever. Call me whatever name you want to. I don't care. I don't follow your self-imposed rules. So I... For me, it, it, I was not one of those who was confused by it. It just made me angry. It's like, who? you don't get to make the rules that I'm not man enough. I'm not masculine enough because I want to be on the dance floor. I want to be in the dance club. I want to be dancing. I want to be reading. I, don't, don't you dare come at me. I, like For me, it just made me rise up. But for many, it confuses them. Now, what has happened is for in some people's mind, well, if you if you don't do this, this, and this, and this, you're not masculine enough, so you should just identify as a woman. No, just identify. You are who you are. You are who, think about it this way. My being a man or being a woman, that's based off my genetic makeup. I'm either born a male or a female. I, either, I understand things can happen where you cr- create some, some situations. I, I'm not, we're not getting into that right now, but I'm saying typically, Without, unless there's something happens with the genetic makeup and some things that can go on. We won't go through all the different, uh, you know, issues. But here's the thing. My genetic makeup, I am a male. I am a man. There is no question about that. However, that genetic makeup does not mean that I have to follow some self-imposed rules of what makes me a man. Well, I'm a I'm a guy, so I better know I better know everything about a car. I better know how to fix a car, like cars, know the difference between this. I mean, right now I, I a car drives by and someone, what kind of car was that? Silver, red, blue. I don't know the engine. I don't know I don't know all that stuff people talk about. If a bunch of men get together and like, oh, let's go. Someone got a new car and they open it up and like, that's got a 450 hammy, whatever the world they're talking about. I never know. I'm just like, I don't care. I don't care about the engine. I don't care about the car. I don't care about any of that. I don't care. You know what? Doesn't make me less than a man. Hey, we're going to go deer hunting. Okay, well, great. I have no desire to go anything. We're going to go camping. Why? I'm going to stay inside. Like, that does not make me less than a man. I'm genetically a man. I'm just not following your self-imposed gender identity rules that is imposed upon people. I think that that has done so much damage to individuals. If it's a young girl and she she likes, she wants to go hunting. She wants to learn about cars. She wants to fix cars. She, she wants to do these other things. She shouldn't be into, told you're not being feminine enough. There's something wrong with you. There's something wrong. You're acting too much like a boy. You're being too masculine. You That just leads to confusion. You are male or female by your genetic makeup. What you like, what you, how you are, that's, 
That's your personality. There's not a personality that your personality traits, your your likes, your dislikes, that 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 somehow makes you a man or a woman. Who came up with that rule? And what's so crazy to me, it's usually men. Just insanity, the things some men say. Well, I'm not going to have my boy, you know, up there dancing and doing music theater, you know, like almost somehow that's going to create a situation where it's going to change their sexual preference. What are you talking about? What are you talking? Your activities don't all of a sudden go, oh, oh, look at me. I like dance. I don't want to be outside hunting. Oh, no, I should only like guys. That never occurred to me at one time in my life. I like dance. Oh, and I like to dance with girls. Okay. Like, like, I like to dance and I like, I like to see girls dance. Like that, it never like, oh wait, because I like this activity and because I don't dress this way, do these things. Somehow now I'm less than a man. It never occurred to me other than people calling me names, but I'm like, call me all the names you want. Call me all the names you want. While you're over there learning about cows, I'm hanging out with all the girls in the school. In home at class, where you're over there, I don't know what you're doing in ad class. I'm I'm cooking with the girls, okay? I whatever, whatever we're doing, I I I didn't understand the self-imposed, like this makes you a man. So I have seen crazy things. I've seen crazy things when it comes to this. Now, when it comes to the church, I can't, I I think that the, what I have heard Christian men say are usually very similar to what I he- heard the men in the world say. It's the same weird, macho, messed up nonsense that really can create for some, I, I think a, if they, if that's not them, then they question their gender identity. Your gender identity has nothing to do with you following societal imposed attributes upon a gender. Your gender identity is determined by your genetic makeup, not by, well, I don't like this. And I, it's okay. You don't have to like it. You're who you, you're an individual. Doesn't make you less than a man. You want to sit around reading poetry while others want to learn how to clean a rifle. That doesn't make you less than a man in any way, shape or form. You you want to go out and I don't know, go bow hunting and, and the, and, and, and you want to be spending your day analyzing art in an art museum doesn't make you less than a man. All right. So now back to the email. I told you I'm going to, I'm going to make a lot of people mad here, but here we, I, I have strong feelings about this. All right, here we go. I'm going to read the first paragraph again. What is perhaps the strangest argument used to promote biblical masculinity that you've heard of? Where have you seen people make the case that if you don't do or have X, you're not masculine according to scripture? This article from Desiring God recently showed up on my Facebook feed and the title drew my curiosity. I just had to see what the spiritual application was. There are certain examples in scripture of occasions where beards are held up with certain importance. But I'm left with the feeling of, yeah, so what does this have to do with living a godly life? It was then the last section revealed what it ultimately was. What I feel is yet another attempt at recontextualizing scripture to suit the culture war. Now, let's stop right here. Recontextualizing scripture to fight the culture war. See, we see things in the culture that we don't like for whatever reason. We have our own personal feelings, our own personal opinions. And then we've got to fight that culture war. And we know what Christians do whenever we've got a fight, whenever we've got an argument. We run to the Bible and we rip things out of context. And then we throw scripture at it and say, we've got God on our side. You're wrong. We're right because I've got a scripture. Scripture is not for you to recontextualize to win the culture war. Scripture is not for you to rip it out of context so you have a baseball bat so you can hit other people over the head and tell them wrong because God said so. Scripture is for you to study and to obey and submit to and and learn, not to rip out of context so you can try to make a point and a culture war. But they believe that this is a recontextualization of it for that case. Beards, according to this article, are the ultimate biblical protest against a world of gender confusion. 
And while they don't go as far as demanding all men in the church grow a beard, they sure don't speak kindly of those who are clean shaven either. Was hoping this would be worth your time. Well, it may be worth my time. I may die in the production of this episode because my brain may explode. But what, the, what kind of nonsense is that? Right? What kind of nonsense says a beard is the greatest protest against gender confusion? You know what would help with gender confusion? Stop coming up with these self-imposed rules of what makes someone a man or what makes someone a woman. Let's go back to you're a man or a woman based off your genetic makeup, but your likes and dislikes and your attributes and your characteristics doesn't necessarily, like, I don't, I completely don't get that. I mean, I've seen some men, if, 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 you know, if their wife buys their, their son a shirt or, or buy, and it's, it's, you know, not a masculine color. My boy's not going to wear that. That's just, take that off. My son's not going to wear a pink shirt. And you're like, what are you? What is wrong with you? The color of a shirt does not determine one's gender. Oh, oh, oh my son's not going to play with those toys. No, he's not. Well, he, he needs a truck and he needs to go play in the dirt. Like, what, what is wrong with you? Why are you imposing that kind of idea? Because you're almost telling the person there's something wrong with you. There's something. You like that? You want to play that? You're not being a boy. Well, you keep pounding that message into their head. At one point, they may grow up and go, you're right. I'm not, I'm not a typical boy. I'm different. I'm weird. I, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to like other boys, I guess. Don't create the problem. They are, they are what they are by their genetic makeup. Let them be who they are, whether they follow your self-imposed, made-up rules of what makes someone a man or a woman. Now, he gave me a link to the article. What was interesting is the article has a download button, so you can download audio of someone reading the article. I thought instead of me reading the article, we will analyze, review, and critique the article itself as it's read. It's 11 minutes long. We'll work through it. I've clearly made my position clear. My position is gender is determined by my genetic makeup. All of these like, this is what a boy is, this is what a boy does, this is what a woman does, is imposed upon gender by society, which leads to confusion if someone finds themselves not meeting those particular rules and then they become confused by their gender. And that is, that is the fault of society. That is the fault of many men, and I will speak of men, imposing these concepts upon their sons. And if their son's like, well, I don't like that stuff. I don't want to do that. I don't want to play football. I don't want to go hunting. I don't want to learn about your truck. I don't learn. I don't care about any of that. Well, you're not a man. Oh, no, no, that's, no, that's wrong. They're a man by their genetic makeup. They just may not have the same likes or or characteristics that you think make someone a man, but that doesn't make someone a man. And what I'm blown away by, I've been studying the Bible for a good portion of my life. I don't, I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and go through all the number of seminaries I've attended and graduated from, all the degrees I have. I'm not going to go through all of that. I just don't know a lot of scripture that says, this is what a man is. I, I just think we are imposing a lot of that, but let's see. I, I guess what I missed was all of the discussion about beards. What really makes you a man is if you grow a beard. <laughs> I would never grow a beard. if you, I mean, maybe if you paid me a million dollars and as soon as I got the beard to the length you said was acceptable, I would shave it. I don't even know if I could grow a beard, to be honest. I don't even know if I could. But I, I mean, no, I... I don't want a beard. That's to me, it's vile and disgusting. Okay. You get stuff all caught in it. Oh, just gross. No, 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 no. So uh, nothing, no, nothing, no, no way, no how, not going to do that. So does that make me less than a man? Does that call into question my gender identity? That's just, it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But let's see. Here we go. Are you ready? I mean, can you imagine that when you're doing a theology podcast, we have to now listen to someone argue that beards are proof of masculinity. It's just, 
<laughs> like sometimes, and it's because of the desiring God. I, now, I have not read the article, so I'm hoping that this has all been misrepresented, I hope. Now, someone uh, did look at the article this morning and told me that it was bizarre. <laughs> that was their words, bizarre. So maybe, I, I don't know, it's just, hey guys, we, we have a Christian website and we need to post an article. What, what should we do- talk about? Well, you know, the way to fix this gender confusion is to have men wear beards and that will fix everything. What? What? Why does the church? Have you ever realized that? And I, I, you can tell me if you think I if, if you think I'm wrong. The church loves surface, external solutions, right? Right. We like, you know, what we wear, what movies we watch. We like those. We like to clean up the outside. We don't ever like to look at the deeper issues, do we? But okay, here we go. Desiring God, oh beard. Where art thou? Articles by Desiring God O Beard, Where Art Thou? Written and read by Greg Morse Joab's charge to play the man still endures, immortalized in Scripture. Be of good courage, and let us be courageous for our people and for the cities of our God, and may the Lord do what seems good to him. Joab. Now, this is interesting. We're starting off with Joab, Joab. Joab's charge to play the man still endures, right? So Joab's charge to play the man still endures. Those are the first words. And then they quote First Samuel, Second Samuel. Chapter 10, verse 13. And I'm looking here. Do we see, do we see something here that talks about uh, playing the, uh, the charge to play the man? Be of good courage. Let us be courageous for our people and for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do what seems good to him. Now, is this make, making a reference that he's the charge to play the man? Is that, that's what makes a man? A man is someone who is of good courage and who is courageous for their people and for the cities. Is this speaking of somehow men defending, protecting? Is, is, that, is that the idea? Is, is that scripture there? Is that scripture designed to try to give us some idea of what being a man is? is? Is that how we are to read that and understand that? Is that even within a hermeneutical possibility of looking at it that way? But they start with Joab's charge to play the man. Now, the very next paragraph is going to be Joab facing enemies from the front and from the rear took some of his best men. This is where it's going to go. I just want to make sure it's got a smooth transition because when I interrupt this, it can break that flow. All right, here we go. Joab, facing enemies from the front and from the rear, took some of his best men and faced the Syrians ahead. The rest of his army would turn with his brother, Abishai, to meet the Ammonites to their back. Here we find the iconic words of Joab to his brother. If the Syrians are too strong for me, then you shall help me. But if the Ammonites are too strong for you, then I will come and help you. Be of good courage, and let us be courageous for our people and for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do what seems good to him. Second Samuel 10, 11 through 13. This battle scene, equal to the best of Braveheart, Gladiator, or 300, began, if I may comb things out just slightly, with a man's beard. Or to be precise, the beards of several bushy men. Okay, so this supposedly starts with the beards of several bushy men, as he described it. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna find out. Someone just said I couldn't tell what the passage had to do with growing a beard. Okay, well we're we're gonna find out. We're gonna see where they're going to go. I, I think I think I know where they're going to go, but we'll, we'll have to see. Well, we're gonna we're gonna discover this together. But I, I, just so far, there's not one scripture here that's like, that's what being a man is. That's what's being a man. Be a man. Okay. Now, yes, obviously in that culture, those who are going to be fighting the war would be the men. Okay. We understand that. Now, some people, we need to get back to that. 
Okay. I don't know. I, I just, I served in the military, you know, 19 years before I was medically discharged and declared hundred percent disabled because of what happened to me. And I worked with more women than I think men. So I, I don't know, you know, but yeah. Okay. Now people, that's not the way it should be. I, I okay. Just, I'm just, I'm trying my best to, to follow this. I'm just trying my best to follow this. Here we go. Sheer like sheep. David had sent several bearded messengers to meet the newly crowned King Hanun of the Ammonites, who succeeded his father Nahash. David expressed his condolences for the deceased Nahash by dispatching these warm-chinned chums to console Hanun concerning his father. Nahash had remained loyal to David. The neighboring kings kept the peace between each other. David's delegates extended, as it were, the right hand of goodwill to Hanun, a hand Hanun would not shake. Led by the folly of suspicious counsel, the princes of the Ammonites convinced Hanun that these servants did not come to comfort but to conquer. Has not David sent these servants to search the city and spy it out to overthrow it? And this is where things get rather hairy for the king. How should he respond? He decides to shame David's men and to make them a spectacle. Hanun took David's servants and shaved off half the beard of each and cut off their garments in the middle at their hips and sent them away. He left multiple cheeks exposed. Like sheep, Hanun sheared these men. These trees lost half their leaves, these lions half their manes. When David heard of the barbarous deed, He sent to meet them because they were greatly ashamed. The king acknowledged their humiliation and told them, Remain at Jericho until your beards have grown and then return. And what would David do next? Touch a man's goat and it's time for court. Touch a man's beard and it's time for war. (laughs) Okay. Oh, man, did... All right, touch a man's goat, and it's time for court. Touch a man's wo- a beard, and it's time for war. So was David upset because they simply touched the man's beard, or was he upset because they did this to try to humiliate his men, to try to make a spectacle out of them? Is this, so somehow are we going to take from this, see, if you shave a man's beard, then they're not, they're less than a man. Like, don't touch a beard. If you shave your beard, it's a time for war. So I guess, what should I do? If I'm sitting in church and someone walks in and I'm like, you shaved your beard. It's a time for war. We're going to meet after church right out back because you're not a man because you shaved your beard. Is that, is that, is that what we should do here? Like what? I don't, I don't understand, like, what, what's the application here? Wasn't it the fact that he humiliated them? Or was this, in fact, that, see, a beard shows masculinity. And if someone shaves half their beard, that's okay. He also shaved half their beard and cut part of their garments to expose them. Wasn't, I mean, we're just going to focus on the beard part? <laughs> okay, we're, we're going to see what they're going to do with this. Oh, man. I'm telling you, the things people do with scripture sometimes I'm somewhat baffled by, confused by, perplexed by. Remember the original emailer said that he felt this was a recontextualizing scripture in order to fight a culture war. Taking scripture where it really doesn't have anything to do with this particular cultural war situation we're looking at and make it work so that we can prove our point because we always want to make sure we've got God on our side. Is this that? I don't know. Let's see. Are they gonna? Are they going to explain the historical context? Or are we going to explain the significance of the cutting of the beard? I, I I see a Bible study exercise in our near future about beards. We're going to have to do the topical method of Bible study on beards. That's what we're going to have to do so that we can get an I maybe or maybe we could just do a kind of a use the book background method on figuring out all of the historical and cultural background to the significance of beards. And is it a cultural thing or is it a scriptural thing? And if it is such a scriptural thing, why isn't it like, 
You, if you are a man, you will grow a beard, thus saith the Lord. Is there a specific command in doing this? I, I don't know. I, let's, let's just follow this. I'm trying to be patient. Let's, 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 let's let them speak, all right? Deep breaths. Still waiting in Jericho. In the 21st century, we might miss how hostile this act was. How deeply shaming for an Israelite man in that day. If King Hanun cut off half of our beards today, it would be considered less shameful than strange. Also not very effective. For each could just shave the other half and fit in with society. So why did this razor cut them to the heart? Why wait outside Jerusalem until it grew back? One historical commentary states, What may seem like a prank was in fact a direct challenge to David's power and authority and precipitated a war between the two nations. And beyond its spitting upon David's outstretched hand of peace, consider the prominence of the beard in Israel. First, in Israelite culture, the beard served as a sign of mature masculinity. All Israelite men grew beards. God commanded it. You shall not round off the hair of your temples or mar the edges of your beard, Leviticus 19.27. Beards were a facial billboard for manhood, distinguishing men, at first glance, from boys and women. The full, rounded beard was a sign of manhood and a source of pride to Hebrew men. It was considered an ornament, and much care was given to its maintenance. In fact, the wealthy and important made a ceremony of caring for their beards. Custom did not allow the beard to be shaved, only trimmed, except in special circumstances such as great lament or distress. Thus, to cut off the peacekeeper's beard was, quoting again, to symbolically emasculate them, and by extension, David. Not to split hairs, but the beards also served as a sign of masculine might. Beards worn during ancient periods were viewed with great reverence and often symbolized strength and virility. To hack at it was to hack at a symbol of their manliness. Okay, first of all, someone just pointed out only in Israelite culture. Yes, in Israelite culture, this is the way it was. Does it have the same cultural significance in 2022? Does it have the same? I mean, look, I was in the military for 19 years, the military, right? Where we need men to fight. We need men to be deployed to go here. I walked around with an M16 on my back. I walked around sometimes armed with a sidearm, depending on my job when I was security forces. Okay, and guess what we had to do? Oh, yes, every single day we had to shave. And if you're at work, and guess what? If they could even see that you that it appears you didn't shave, sometimes you were told you need to go shave because you had to be clean shaven because that was the that's the military standard in America. It well, that was going all the way back when I first joined the military. You have to shave every single day in basic training. We had to shave, had to shave. In fact, they they shaved all of our hair off our heads. We we were shaved bald and We had to shave our face every single day. So are you saying the United States military? No, if you need men in the military, you need beards. Like you're taking a cultural thing and trying to somehow make it applicable to us. That the, the solution to gender confusion is beards. Well, if I would have grown a, I mean, I mean, like, so if you grow a beard, it, it changes everything. I, I, I am so, okay, let, let's, let's just try to see how this, this is just bizarre. All right, let, let's see where this goes. What of the beardless? The connection between manhood and unmown cheeks today has flowed down through church history like oil running down the beard of Aaron. Augustine, commenting on Psalm 133, writes, The beard signifies the courageous. The beard distinguishes the grown men, the earnest, the active, the vigorous. So that when we describe such, we say 
he is a bearded man. Or take Charles Spurgeon, who told his students that growing a beard is a habit most natural, scriptural, manly, and beneficial. Or take ministers during the Reformation, who grew manhood symbol to defy the celibate, clean-shaven faces of the Catholic priesthood. Or over... I don't I don't care if Spurgeon told people to grow beards. I don't care if Augustine told people to grow beards. I don't care. There is no scriptural command whatsoever like, other than in, in Levitical and in, in the uh, Israelite culture following the Levitical rules given to them, their cultural rules, their their societal rules. Uh, man, that okay. Hey, Augustine said it, so we better do it. Okay, well, that, that, you're right. Everything Augustine said, you're right. We should follow everything. Oh, no, you won't do that, will you? No, no. I, I, I didn't think so. I didn't think so. I, I, yeah, I, I, I bet you you would have some issues with that. But here, here, we, now, now we need to follow Augustine. And I love when people go back into church history and find someone and say, we should follow this. No, no, no we should. It, it's interesting. And maybe beards were still significant in that particular time and in, in, in culture. I, I don't know. Like, what, do we? We're going to walk around with beards to prove a point? I, 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 I don't. I, I don't. I'm not getting this. All right. Let, let's see. Now, now we're going to go to C.S. Lewis. We hear our day questioned by C.S. Lewis in the Screw Tape Letters as a senior demon writes his nephew. Thus we have now for many centuries triumphed over nature to the extent of making secondary characteristics of the male, such as the beard, disagreeable to nearly all the females. And there is more in that than you might suppose. So what of the beardless? So it's a satanic plot. (laughs) Satan convinced many women not to like a beard. See, if we can, if we can convince the women not to like the beard, that will lead the men to shave their beards. You, you think? Okay. I mean, what? Like I, oh, man. Oh, man. Hey, but C.S. Lewis said it. If C.S. Lewis said it in, in a fictional story, <laughs> that, that, then it's got to be. We're going, we're going to go to C.S. Lewis and the screw tape ladders like, and a kind of an imaginary scene. We're going to go there because that's, that's how we're going to prove our point. Now, because, hey, if C.S. Lewis, I, I mean, let's start quoting the Chronicles of Narnia. Hey, you know, come on, let's quote the Lord of the Rings somewhere, right? We got to do that because, hey, I guess now who needs scripture? We can quote Augustine, we can quote Spurgeon, and we can quote the screw tape ladders. That's all we need. We don't need scripture. Now, we, we can rip some verses out of context about the Levitical, the rules and Leviticus, but I mean, there were lots of rules in Leviticus. So let's bring all, you know what? Let You're right. Let's go to the rules about beards in Leviticus and let's go to all the other rules in Leviticus. Let's, let's just, you know, here's a novel. Let's just abandon Christianity and go back to Orthodox Judaism. How, how about we all do that? Let's just abandon Christianity and go back to Orthodox Judaism. I know what we do. Let's all move back to Israel. I know what we do. Let's just call for the imposing of all Levitical law back on everyone. Why don't we do that? <laughs> hey, the screw tape letter said it. That... Whoa, that's, that's where I run for all of my theological truth. That's where I run for all of my doctrine. Okay? That's where... <sighs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay. Let's see where else he's going to go now. So, so he just quotes the screw tape letters. Let me read it again. The senior demon writes his nephew... Thus we have now for many centuries triumphed over nature to the extent of making certain secondary characteristics of the male, such as the beard, disagreeably, disagreeable to nearly all the females. And there is more in that than you might suppose. So what of the beardless? All right, so so now we're going to learn about the beardless, okay? All right, so I'm beardless, right? I'm beardless. I mean, I, I, I do need to shave, but uh, I, I do, you know, looking rough, but I, I, I don't have a beard. I don't have a beard, okay? But so what about me? Okay, oh boy, I, I think I'm about to find out that I'm, 
I'm possibly not a man. I'm possibly a woman. I'm probably all confused. I'm probably ungodly. I'm probably need to repent today. I don't know. I don't know. Let, let's see. What are we? We're going to find out about now about the beardless. Rome's men were clean shaven in biblical times, as were the Egyptians. When these beardless came to the bearded Christ, they need not grow one to enter the kingdom of God. They, like we, are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, apart from any strands of good works, lest the harrier among us boast. Of course, on the face of it, beards hold no salvific design, nor are they commanded. Even okay, now I'm glad. Now, but I'm waiting for it. Right, so let's read this again. This is very important. Those who are beardless, they're saved by grace alone through faith alone, apart from any strands of good works, lest the harrier among us boast. Of course, on the face of it, beards hold no salvific design, nor are they commanded. But I'm waiting for the but. However, hey, hey, you're not saved by it, but... I, I'm waiting for that. Can't you kind of feel like that's where it's going? Okay. Hey, hey, don't accuse us of saying you have to do this to be saved. But uh, I'm, I'm waiting. Let, let's see. Even the shaved can be saved. Nor do beards make us men. Some boys living in basements addicted to video games and porn grow beards. But here we walk a fine line. Does this then relegate the beard? that ancient landmark, to a matter of obsolete decoration or mere preference. I know more than a few godly men who testify that though they try, the fig tree does not blossom nor is fruit found on the vine. Little islands of hair sprout, but the lands never form the continent. They are more Jacob than Esau, whose mother glued the skins of young goats on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck to pass as his hairier brother. Chin wigs, my brother, are no solution. The solution is... This, this is so ridiculous. This, I, 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 oh man, I feel like, I feel like I'm watching an SNL skit. I really feel like I'm watching an SNL skit. So, so boys are the ones in the basement watching video games or playing video games and watching porn and, and they can grow beards. You're right. There, men, men don't play video games and men never look at porn. Never, never. Like, I don't even understand that. And then like, I, and, then, and literally he says, chin wigs, my brother, are no solution. What? This can't be serious. Okay, I'm being, I'm being, okay. I'm, I, there's got to be a video camera somewhere in this room. I am being punked. Someone sent this to me just to completely mess with me today. There is no way. This is a fraudulent Desiring the God article. No one in their right mind would even try. I mean, of all the things wrong in the church, of all the things wrong in Christianity, we're going to take time to go, I think the solution we need is we need more beards. We mean, if we had more beards, we could fix society. So what society needs is men with beards. If I grow a beard, I can fix all of the gender confusion and our call. If we can grow beards, we can fix society. If we can grow beards, we can change everything. No, what needs to be changed is the inside of people, not the amount of hair on their face. What needs to be changed is us internally, our spiritual it's situation, not whether I can grow it. I guess, I guess, you know what, if I grow a beard, do, hey, you can't boast, but it's coming very close to making it sound like you can boast. <laughs> oh, oh man. Oh man. Oh man. Oh man. Okay. All right. Here we go. All right. All right. So then he knows a few men who, who can't, who can't grow it. He knows a few men who just can't do so. They just can't grow a beard. I, I don't think I could. I don't think I could. I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't, I'm not even going to try. I, I don't even know why men would try. I, I, whatever. I mean, if you want to grow a beard, by all means. But, you know, I, tr I'm, trust me. I, I don't see you. <laughs> okay. Oh, but if you change the inside, the fruit of that will be growing a beard. 
That is so, that is that. Okay, that's pretty clever. That's how, hey, if you truly are sanctified, if you're truly growing spiritually, it will show up on the amount of facial hair on your on your face. Oh, okay, I'm trying, I'm trying to take this seriously, but this is so ridiculous. Like, what is going on? Of all the things going on in the church, this is an issue? What? Okay, all right, I got... I'm sorry. I got to be patient here. Okay. We've got to finish this. We got to be, I'm, I'm having a hard time now. This is just so ridiculous. I feel like I'm being punk. I feel like someone has just completely messed with me today. And, and I, I, I'm going to contact the person who emailed this to me and go, I know what you're up to. I know you're, you're trying, you're trying to kill me. You're trying to kill because this is messed up. All right, here we go. We got two minutes and 47 seconds left here. Two minutes and 47 seconds left here. All right, here we go. Deep breath, deep breath. Here we go. Just to be the man that God made you to be. Many today, if not most, will not have beards and are not the lesser for it. This article, with all its bearded banter, has nothing negative to say to you. We agree with Shakespeare that he that hath a beard is more than a youth, but not when he continues, and he that hath no beard is less than a man. For if you walk according to your God-given and God-matured masculinity, you are a bearded man whether you have hair on your face or not. To understand that statement... Okay, now wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, first of all, he's quoting Shakespeare, and that's from Much much, uh, Much Ado About Nothing, someone who got to the Shakespeare Festival multiple, multiple times, loved Shakespeare... Read Shakespeare, got into trouble in high school because I got irritated when all the when we were reading Shakespeare and nobody in the class understood it. I would just get irritated. So I was told I had to go. I could not be in class when they were discussing Shakespeare because I was like, what is wrong with all of you people? Right. So I had to go sit in the library. So I I think we would want to go to much ado about nothing and make sure we completely understand how the bearded discussion is occurring in much in much ado about nothing, if I can say the name of it correctly. But okay, so we're just I mean, I guess I guess the 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 the, the lesson of this just rip everything out of context. Just rip verses out of context, rip, rip statements out of context by Augustine, Spurgeon, Shakespeare, see let, let's go to the screw tape screw tape letters to make some kind of a, a point. I don't know, but let's read this again. All right, so the solution. If you can't grow, if you can't grow a beard, the solution is to be the man God made you to be. Okay, so then why, if the solution is for me just to be the man God made me to be, why have you written an entire article about why it's important to have a beard? Okay, all right, all right. Um, many today, if not most, will not have beards and are no are not lesser for it. Okay, well, if we're not lesser for having a beard, then why are you writing an article about beards? Are you just using beards as an opportunity to talk about masculinity, but you're not going to actually take the time in the article to to define what masculinity is? I, I I'm I all right, let, let's see. This article, with all its bearded banter, has nothing negative to say to you. We agree with Shakespeare that, I quote, he that hath a beard is more than a youth, but when, but not when he continues, and he hath no beard is less than a man. Much, and that is much uh, ado about nothing. For if you walk according to your God-given and God-matured masculinity, you are a bearded man whether you have hair on your face or not. So if I walk according to my God-given, God-matured masculinity, all right, don't you need to define what you mean by God-matured masculinity? Because now you're saying I don't need a beard to be, to have God-matured masculinity, but you've nowhere defined what that, you've spent more time giving me information about beards than you have about masculinity. But now you're telling me that I can be, that all I need to be is have my God matured masculinity and I'm a bearded man. Well, what, what? So the, I, I don't even understand this article. Okay, let's, let's continue. Um, you're a bearded man, whether you have hair on your face or not. To understand that statement, consider the wonder of why God made beards. Now they're going to tell us why God made beards. God, why God, why did God make beards? All right, here we go. Consider 
the wonder of why God made beards. O beard, where art thou? Why did God make men with the capacity to grow beards? Why grow beards at all? Or why not give them to children and women, like some speculate of the dwarves of Middle Earth? Is it not because God delights? Oh, and for the name of Christian. Oh, man. And for the name of every, for the name of bubblegum, for the name of anything I can think of to say. Why? You, you, know, you know how you know you're reading a Christian article? Because you got to have make some reference to the Lord of the Rings. Middle Earth, I believe that's a reference to the Lord of the Rings. Like, like, what is it with the Lord of the Rings and Christians? I don't get the preoccupation, the, the obsession, the, I don't get it. I'm so sick and tired of hearing about Lord of the Rings from anything that's Christian. It's like, hey, I'm a Christian. You're a Christian. Yeah. You like Lord of the Rings? Hey, what did you do today? Well, I was studying my Bible. You didn't read Lord of the Rings? What, what, what's wrong with you? You've got to read Lord of the Rings. I mean, come on. Lord of the Rings is far more important than the Bible. Okay, I know that's... A, no, and actually, I don't even feel like that's hyperbole anymore. But I mean, here we... Even this has to throw in something <laughs> related to the Lord of the... Why is... I don't... Can someone explain that to me? What is the obsession with it? I'm, I... I Look, I can, I can get online and go, you know, I'm questioning the Trinity. Well, okay, I can understand. I think the Lord of the Rings is hot garbage. <gasps> How dare you? How dare you touch my precious? Right? Oh, I made a reference to the Lord of the Rings. There you go. See how I did that? See? See? Was that clever? Come on. Come on. That was clever. Someone laugh. Okay. All right. Here we go. So, so why did God make men with the capacity to grow beards? And why grow beards at all? Or why not give them to children and women? Like some, now, why not give them to children? Well, I mean, okay. I mean, you kind of have to get to puberty. Well, okay, but all right. I, I'm not going to explain puberty and how that all works. I'm not, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going, I'm not, I don't think I need to explain that to the, the author of, uh, of this article. Okay, but all right, here we go. All right, now, so why, 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 why did God make it this way? Here we go. Lights in the distinctions he has made, the day and the night, the land and the water, the heavens and the earth, the man and the woman, good. For centuries, he hid the chromosomal signatures in every cell of our bodies, where only he could delight in them. But he did not leave himself without witness, even to the unscientific. He shaded the man's face with his pencil from the very beginning. What ecstasy of no, okay. Let's 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 just take this to its logical conclusion. If hair on a man is God's gift to the man to demonstrate masculinity, to demonstrate the difference between the man and the woman, why would he have men be able to grow facial hair but then lose their hair? Why? I mean, if God is so worried about this distinction, then why do men lose their hair? Right? I mean, I mean, I think for every man, when you, as you start getting older and you start losing your hair, it's not the most pleasant. It's embarrassing. It's humiliating. You hate it. You don't, you don't want it. You don't, no, 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 you, you don't want. So if, if, the amount of hair is so important to God. Hey, hey, look, he wanted you to see the difference. And then why did he allow women to grow their hair so long? Well, so the long hair in the woman shows the... the so I'm trying to figure out how the hair works here. So hair, long hair in a woman, but also, oh, so the man's head, it's supposed to be short, right? I guess you can even go, uh, most men lose their hair, a, a large portion of men. So I, I'm trying to figure out how this all works. So, so the man can lose their hair in the top of their head, but they just got to make sure they grow it on their chin. And then that somehow shows the distinction. I, so the woman's that the hair on her head is supposed to be long, where the man the the hair on his head is supposed to be short, but he's supposed to grow the hair on his chin, and then that somehow we can see the difference. I, I, you may call me crazy here, but I've usually been able to distinguish the difference between a woman and a man, even if the woman has shaved her head. 
Even if the woman has gone with a very short haircut style, I can usually still tell that she's a woman. And I can usually still tell a man is, I, I've never been so confused going, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, I usually can tell the difference. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just me, but okay. All right. Let, let's, let's continue. We're almost done. Adam, observing the beautiful and smooth face of Eve, like me, yet not. This appreciation is under assault in many places today. Figuratively speaking, our culture dislikes everything about beards. We paste false beards on women and shave the beards of men, catechizing the children that there isn't any difference. Hair is just hair. With enough hormones, anyone can grow them. Claiming to be wise, we have become fools, exchanging the glory of God for images. So now Romans 1, 22 to 23 is about us becoming fools because of how we view facial hair. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. All right. And now we barter away our own. That makes literal beards, in my opinion, worth having. Beards protest against a world gone mad. In other words, beards beard. They testify in their own bristly way that sex distinctions matter. That manhood will not be so easily shaven, shorn, or chopped by the Hurons of the world. Its itchy and cheeky voice bears witness. Male and female, he created them. For more resources, visit DesiringGod.org. There you have it. This was published on, uh, do we have a date for its publication? August the 22nd, 2022. So I guess, I don't know. I don't know what all the responses are going to be to this. I'm assuming it's probably a lot of podcasts are going to pick up and talk about this. I look, I, I just, I just don't know. I, I, I just don't know. Uh, okay. Look, so, uh, All right, so a couple of things. Uh, someone just said, the article says he went to Bethlehem College and Seminary. I just looked at the staff, and about half of the professors don't have beards. I don't think he was taught this in seminary. Okay, well, I, yeah, I don't know. You know what's funny, what's interesting? When I was an independent fundamental Baptist, th- th- this is just interesting. Independent fundamental Baptist, where they were really strong, like I had to wear a tie, I had to wear a tie. Now, my hair was already short because I was in the military, but I had to wear a tie. If I didn't wear a tie, I was kicked out of the Bible Institute. It was the end of the world, okay? Um, men had to have short hair. And then guess what? There was discussion. Uh, in fact, in some of the independent fundamental Baptist churches, are you ready for this? This was in the 1990s, that they would not let men preach who had a beard. You know why? Because they associated beards with the hippie movement of the 60s. They thought the long hair and the shaggy beard was more of a it was a was a pro was a was a sign of the culture protesting you know being masculine. They, they viewed the beard as being a sign of rebellion. Being and so they were like, no, if you're going to preach, you have to be clean shaven. That was in the 90s in some independent fundamental Baptist churches. So now, so so there was like, we're going to fight the culture by shaving. And now in 2022, we're going to fight the culture by growing a beard. Here's a novel idea. Stop fighting culture and just give them the gospel. Well, well what, a, what, a, what a crazy idea. Instead of fighting the culture and like, we're going to protest culture. I'm going to go show those liberal snowflakes that I'm a man because I got a beard and I'm going to prove something. How about stop your little reindeer games and your nonsense And just get back, I don't know, to scripture, preaching and teaching the scripture, depend and not worried about how much facial hair a man has or doesn't have. And if God is so worried about how much hair a man has, I don't understand then why men lose their hair. But I guess as long as it's on the face, I guess that's all that matters. It's just bizarre. I don't even know what to do with this. I mean, he did he quoted scripture, but he did very little and he didn't exegete any of the scripture. He didn't really prove anything. And not only that, why would you spend time focusing on the beard and not spend? I mean, here's the thing. Wouldn't you have to first 
define masculinity. If you're going to do an article that's really about masculinity, why wouldn't you? See, here's what he did. He's worried about the symbol of masculinity more than the definition of masculinity because the church has a history of always worrying about cleaning up the outside of the cup than really worrying about anything of significant substance and depth. There you go. You can email me your disagreements or your perspective to newsif at yahoo.com. To newsif at yahoo.com. To newsif at yahoo.com. Please, men, don't send me pictures of your beard to prove your masculinity. I will just take your word for it. I have no desire to see it. Okay. A little bit of a joke on a Monday. Stay calm. Everyone breathe. Okay. Right. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. What a waste of time. I, I, I hate to say, I feel like it's a waste of time that we even had to address this. I re, and so, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you think it was important. You, you can tell me if it was. I, well, you know what? I guess if we start seeing this show up on lots of discussions, I mean, I guess it's already showing up on some people's Facebook feed this morning. Um, I, we'll see. I, I, I will just, I'll just, if you see anyone else discussing this article or the biblical masculine significance of beards, send me the link to the podcast that I can download it. And then we'll review that as well. Look, I'm, I'm willing to have my mind changed. I, look, I, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I'm mocking this because I'm having a hard time with some of this, but I'm willing to have my view changed. I mean, if you can prove to me that no, biblically you need to grow a beard, well, then I guess I will if I have to. But I just, I just, man, I, I think we love we love the external so much, man, because the external is the easiest thing to fix. You know, it's easy to grow a beard. It's something different to love people the way God calls me to love people. It's easy to grow a beard. It's much more difficult to try to, to try to protect those who are weak and try to care for people and try to lift those up and try to love people and help people and try to demonstrate by being selfless instead of selfish. It's, it, it's, it's important to try to, it's easier to grow a beard than to try to show self-sacrifice and placing others before myself. I can pull off the beard thing. Well, I don't know if I can. I think maybe I can. I have a greater chance of working on growing a beard than I do on trying to do those other things where I fall short of continually. You know, I think it's it's easier to grow a beard than being a man and trying to demonstrate a proper respect and a proper, uh, uh, you know, viewing women the right way instead of an ungodly way, if that makes sense. It's easier to grow a beard. But we like that external. All right, newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Wow. What a, what a, I don't even know what to say. There you have it. Newsif at yahoo.com. Everyone have a great day. I'm, all right. I can't wait to get the feedback on this. All right, everyone have a great day. God bless.